for today's first scripture reading taken from Philipp- uh, or today's first scripture reading is Philippians 2, 5, uh, 2, 5 to 11 found on page 1179 for your pew Bibles. In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of his servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name that at the name of Jesus every knee, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is lord to the glory of God the father this is the word of the lord A reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 12, verses 12 through 16. Hear God's word. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, the disciples did not understand this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. May God bless to us the hearing and the understanding of God's holy word. One of the first parades I remember was in late February 1962. I was eight years old and living outside Washington, D.C. My father and I drove into the city and found a spot to stand along Pennsylvania Avenue. We were there to see my boyhood hero, John Glenn. Just days earlier, Glenn had become the first American to orbit the Earth. President Kennedy had escorted him from Cape Canaveral to the nation's capital. And now, along with the other Mercury 7 astronauts, was being honored in a parade from the White House to the Capitol where a joint session of Congress was waiting to pay them tribute. I still remember the thrill of seeing those heroes accompanied by the Vice President of the United States. They symbolized all that was good and promising, all that was possible, not only for America, but for the whole human race. No longer were we bound 
by the confines of this planet. The stars were within our reach. What a marvelous day it was to be eight years old. We've accomplished a lot in the decades since that parade where we invested effort and determination and integrity, we've made remarkable progress. We met Kennedy's challenge to make it to the moon by the end of that decade. And now we've sent spacecraft far beyond the reaches of the solar system. We live longer. Our children are healthier. We've made progress in civil rights and women's equality. But there are some things that have not changed. Some things that no amount of energy or grit or resolve can ever alter. We figured out how to break free of the limits of the earth, but we're still bound by the limits of our humanity. One of the first things you realize as a child is that you have limits. That's what makes the terrible twos terrible. Children discover that the world will not accommodate their every desire on demand, and it makes them furious. The older you get, the more aware you become of your limits. When I was 16, I finally had to admit to myself that I would never be first chair trumpet as long as Bob and Manuel were in the high school band. By the time you reach middle age, you know that certain things you dreamed of doing just aren't going to happen. One of the characteristics of wisdom is recognizing our limits and learn how to live a full life within them. Neither have we figured out how to stop things from changing. That car that made us feel so up-to-date when we bought it new starts to look old and worn. That wonderful new car smell has gradually morphed into the aroma of decaying upholstery. The best friend in whom you confided everything moves away. Children grow up and you long to go back to those days when they bug you to play their games Games that seemed so trivial when you had important things to do. But now they have important things to do and you want them back. Life is transient. You can't hold on to anything and keep it the same no matter how hard you try. And we haven't figured out how to keep from dying. We can extend life and in many ways make it better, but it still ends. Along with all the other animals, we have an instinctive aversion to death and an innate desire to survive. But unlike other creatures, we are aware of our own death. It casts a shadow over life. We know that no matter what we do, our days are numbered. Today we remember another parade, one that took place 
2,000 years ago. I suspect the people who lined that parade route into Jerusalem were there for reasons similar to the ones that took my dad and me to Washington, D.C. that damp February day in 1962. They were there to catch a glimpse of someone who had done an incredible thing and who held the promise of things even more amazing. Jesus had done a lot of remarkable things, but what was creating all this buzz, according to the Gospel of John, is what he had done for Lazarus. Lazarus had been dead four days when Jesus called him out of the tomb. And it was clear now that the power Jesus had was power from God. People were counting on him to use that power to restore Israel to the glory it had back in the old days under David and Solomon to make Israel great again. He'd throw out the Romans. He'd set up a throne on Mount Zion. It would be glorious the way Jesus would use his power. But in the grand scheme of things, what the crowds expected was the same old thing. The kind of glory they were looking for in Jesus, the conquering hero, eventually fades. Other empires rise to dominate the world, and not even the most powerful emperor can conquer death. Jesus was coming with another kind of power. Power that not even the disciples understood until he died on the cross. The power Jesus brought was that power that created the universe and breathed life into us. It's the power that never changes through all the changes of our years. It's the power of that divine love. God's love that gives itself completely to the ones God loves. It's the love that transforms us from the inside out by taking on our limits, our transience, and even our death. If you were to chart the story of the gospel as we read it in John, it would look like a great arc, an inverted parabola. Jesus starts up on high with the Father in all the glory and the splendor of heaven. He comes down, he lives among us, taking on our very likeness in everything except our sins. He experiences all the limitations of human bodies. He endures those first hosannas on Palm Sunday. He goes through that parade And then takes on the derision of the Good Friday mob. And then when he's finally lifted up on Good Friday, he's lifted up on the cross. And it's from that cross that he draws all people to himself. He's anointed, but he's anointed for death. He wears a purple robe of royalty, but it's a cloak of mockery. He's presented to his people and they reject him. But as we read from Philippians, he did not regard equality.
quality with God is something to be grasped, something to be exploited. But he emptied himself, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and gave him that name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. A while back, I had the privilege of giving the blessing at the dedication of a new facility for homeless people in the city where I was pastor. The ecumenical agency that helps the homeless had acquired a former rehabilitation facility and converted it into apartments. After the ceremony, there was punch and cookies, and I was visiting with one of the residents on the men's floor. He asked if I would like to see his new home, and I said, well, of course. He took me down the hall of what had been a nursing home and proudly opened the door of his room. It was a simple place, a small room with a bed, a dresser, two chairs, a tape tape player, and a small TV. Over and over again, he said how grateful he was for it. That little room, his home, symbolized for him a new life. And he was emphatic that it was because of Jesus. Jesus had reached down to him in the gutter, opened his heart, and invited him to turn his life over to God. He did, and Jesus, working through the ministry of that facility and the churches that supported it, lifted him up and rescued him from the street. That is where real power lies. We can reach for the stars. We can cure diseases. We can improve the quality of life. And thanks be to God for the ability and the resources to make this world he loves a better place. But only God can change us from the inside out. And God does that by touching the depths of our souls, by coming to us in Christ and redeeming us through his grace. And not only our souls, but all creation will one day be changed by that love that gives and gives until in emptying itself, it's exalted in glory. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Hosanna in the highest. To God be all glory, honor, and praise now and forever. Amen.